Let me show you how it's done. Well, well, welcome. You are listening to The Drop, Drop, Drop. podcast on business tech and influence. I am one half of The Drop, Tam Dania, head of strategy. I lead insights and product. I focus on tech, in particular, solutions that solve real-world problems. And I'm here with... My name is B. Pagels Minor. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I have been a product manager for over a decade at some of the world's most well-respected companies like Sprout Social, Apple, and Netflix. I've led teams that built important parts of the App Store, launched games at Netflix, built listening at Sprout Social. All in all, my DNA is fully being a product manager. So today, folks, this is a momentous occasion for us. We have our very first guest ever on the show. Her name is Brooke Skinner Ricketts. You know, one of the taglines she has is that she's a multi-billion dollar uh, revenue generator. And it's so exciting that she's going to be applying that skill set to her new startup called Beyond Barriers, which is really trying to do amazing stuff to help women get into executive suites. Brooke, is there anything else that you'd like to share that I didn't tell No, that was, I mean, can I take you with me everywhere? That was a great, (laughs) great introduction. Thank you. It's, we've never talked about the career crush thing, but I made a point of doing that my entire career as well. Like the first conference I went to, I sent the keynote speaker a note in his hotel room and said, can I join you for dinner? (laughs) And he said, yeah. So like, you know, it's legit. We're kind of the same cloth, clearly. (laughs) I mean, career crushes, that's the thing. That's the thing that lasts, those relationships last forever. You know, I also had a crush on Zach from Saved by the Bell. And since I only like women, we know that some crushes just don't make sense. (laughs) Actual facts. (laughs) But you know, it's it's so great. So like, yeah, so it's so great. So you've had so many different experiences. And one of of the things I think is very fascinating is that you've led growth at both Twitter and Cars.com, you know, both pre and post IPO. And I was just kind of curious about that. Like how, like, what's the pressure like of leading a growth at a company that is expected to perform quickly after entering the market? Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. I also sit on the board of a company called HireCar and took them through the IPO process as well. Um, and it, it's something you get a lot of questions about. I think um, it's really fun and exciting to go through an IPO, to like sort of walk through those motions. Um, I joined Twitter shortly after they had IPO'd and um, car, cars, uh, I was nine months pregnant when we went public. So it was like having two babies at once. Um, And uh, literally the day they went to ring the bell on Wall Street was the day I went to the hospital to have have our son. So, um, so I, you know, I think the the pressures are different, especially when, you know, I'm a marketer, I'm a communicator. Um, I think about not only the brand that of the company, but also the brand of the executive suite and sort of how we show up and, and, position ourselves in the world and being in the public markets, you're just on stage more often, right? So there's the the quarterly cadence to things, but then there's also, you know, we, one of the things that Twitter was feedback is a gift. And I really believe that. And I say that all the time to all of my teams. Um, and boy, oh boy, is it a lot of feedback all the time, right? <laughs> like you just, um, it's kind of relentless feedback. And so you learn to, um, I think you learn a couple lessons. One, um, you signal from noise, right? Um, you learn how to keep teams focused while you sort of manage, you know, the whether it's public markets or activist investors or strategic, you know, all the different machinations that can happen with a public company. Um, and, and then you also learn, you know, the the importance of communication and branding and positioning in, in, in a really different way because investors, while they may not be users of your product, hopefully they are, um, they're really important stakeholders, right? And they can be, they are a reflection of the company. They, they will reflect back to you the value that you're putting out in the world. So it's not, um, 
it's not just sort of like doing the motions of earnings call. It's truly showing up earnings calls. It's truly showing up on a quarterly basis and speaking, but also listening. Right. And I think that's, that's one of the most interesting things about being a public company is that relentless feedback, right. That, that makes you better. And if you can, um, if you can grow a t- tough enough skin to, um, to let it make you better then it's a huge opportunity. So. You know, I, I kind of want to dig into this idea of signal versus noise. I feel like this is something I talk about with my clients all the time. Like, honestly, some of my clients, I feel like it's just so difficult for them to focus because they are getting all those different inputs. Could you provide a little bit more context of, like, how do you know it's like this is actually something I really need to pay attention to versus this is just something that's going to come up and I can just kind of move past yeah, I mean, one of the most useful lessons I learned in my career was the Eisenhower matrix, which is the important and urgent, or whichever way you want, but it's the, the axis where, you know, ur- urgent and important. And there are some things that are both, although most days everything feels like both. <laughs> there are many things that are urgent but not important. There are some things that are important but not urgent. And then there are some things that are neither, right? And I think um, thinking through, this is an exercise that I do with um, people who report to me who have trouble prioritizing things. We literally, we draw it out. Um, and I think using that as a filter to think through the feedback and is responding to this feedback going to get us closer to that ultimate goal? One of the things that, that I learned from listening to investors, particularly agitated or you know activist investors, was they wanted us to do the same things that we, we wanted to do. They just wanted us to do them faster, right? And I am a person of very little patience, so I was thrilled to get that feedback. <laughs> intense right and it felt um it felt like pressure and we you know regardless of the tone of the conversation we were we were actually on the same page so i think that's the other piece is um one of my mentors my first mentor ellen who uh, was kind of a, a life-defining mentor taught me that you can say anything to anyone as long as you say it in a way that they could hear you um mm-hmm. and conversely you can you can if you listen close enough you can often hear you know what somebody's trying to say behind what they're trying to say um and so i think that you know in terms of separating signal from noise it's like you got to really listen you have to understand what you're trying to accomplish and then filter through is what this is this feedback relevant meaningful important to what we're really trying to accomplish and if it is great let's leverage it let's take it let's try to you know max it out and if it isn't like also learning the lesson that it's okay to say you know what that's really interesting and important and here are the other 12 things we're trying to get done right now or hopefully three or five uh, and and so we're going to prioritize these things for now um so I just have a question based on that. Like, at what point does it become really real that you're no longer a private company in your IPO? Like, beyond the the bell ringing, when do you as a company or when do you as an individual and executive realize that we are no longer private, it's really real here, and what is it that changes instantly? Is it just a feeling or is it something like we can't do that anymore or we have to do this now? Yeah, you know, in some ways it's really actually liberating because you, um, you you can do more just because there's often more resources to do more, right, from the public markets and um, there are more stakeholders, right? So I think... Um, I think for, for me, it really was in that quarterly cadence of feedback. I mean, I helped like recruit and onboard our board at cars and, um, that was really fun and really interesting. But then once we got into the motions, it was like, um, you know, this group of like really tough coaches, right. Who they're definitely on our team, but you walk in there ready to get, you know, some, some intense and good feedback. And what they're really doing is setting you up so that you tell the right story to the markets, right? And so that you share the right things, right? So I, I think, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, um, 
it is about the feedback and it's also, I think so a lot of people get frustrated with public companies because there's a quarterly cadence that can feel constraining, right? And it's true that if you have, if you're a well-funded private company with investors who uh, want to give you a long lead, then it can, it, that can also be very liberating. Um, and, and in some cases, you know, there are trade-offs on, on either side, but I think it really is when, when you start getting that feedback, at least for me, that was when it really became real was, Oh, it's not just about like me doing my job really well, or me like launching this product or repositioning the brand. It's about, what I do affecting the actual value of this company, right. <laughs> and affecting the value of the shares that these people own. And so therefore like affecting their net worth and affecting my net worth. And if it, like, it's, it's more tangible, even though it's all, you know, sort of vague and stock markety, but it's, it's, it's tangible. Um, and so it, it feels different. It feels, um, more like this is going to sound like a terrible analogy, but more like yard work where you're actually creating something, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. versus kind of you know ether strategy work, which we do so much of all the time just in this world, right? So um, <laughs> anyway, I guess I guess for me um, that my experiences in public companies have been very tangible. Now on the other side of things, I am building something for the first time in my life, and that is tangible in a whole another way, right? And mm-hmm. and grow and gardening a, you know, um, kind of buildery in, in, a, in a whole different way. And, um, and I would love to take this company to the public markets. Um, and I also understand what that means. I'm really glad that I have that experience because um, I kind of know, you know, how I would want to do it and um, under what circumstances it would make sense, right? One of the things I have to always remind myself is I'm not an operator anymore, right? Like I can't go in there and actually change the company myself. I have, right. to, t- I have to trust that the right people are going to be put in place. And so that really stuck with me is this idea that we need to figure out how to do that more consistently. Because a lot of times people have the right ideas. It's just that, you know, you, you don't have the resources yet to, to execute on everything that you've talked about. Yeah, that's right. I think sisters are really good for translating too, personally. <laughs> that's um, so true. No, I look, I think that I think that's absolutely it. And I think um, it, it's an interesting pivot to take off your operator hat and put on your investor or board member hat, because I think, you know, it's like even in, in leadership, like having the right question is so much better than having the answer. Right. Because if you if you ask the right question, then you challenge everybody to get around it. Right. And sort of like, you know, huddle around the bonfire and start solving it together. And for sure, you're going to see perspectives that you didn't see, even if you even if you know the answer, right? even if you objectively know the answer, you're going to get more angles on the pro- the problem or the challenge or the opportunity in front of you. And so I think like that practice, that skill of thinking about how do I ask this question in a way that can create progress, right? Um, because I, I mean, I think, you know, the, the other side of that is everybody can be a critic, right? It's really hard yes. to be an author, right? And so, and this world is full of critics. And so, it, you know, even if, if what you're author, I think especially if what you're authoring are, are really smart, incisive questions, like you're bringing value, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, it's, it's so interesting. So one of the things, so, so for full disclosure to everyone in the audience, looking at like I was having this career moment, I was like, I'm getting offered these like really great titles. Like I need to go talk to someone who I know has has had both really great titles and I know gets offered really great titles. Let me ask Brooke questions. And it was like so interesting because in one of our conversations, you mentioned that you were kind of on this path that could have led you to be CEO of cars.com, but you actually realized that you didn't want it. So I was kind of wondering if you could kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. I, um, you know, for me, it was an awareness of, 
uh, like I've, I, I had a great experience at cars.com. CEO is a dear friend. He lives like five minutes away from me. <laughs> and I learned so much working with him and with that team and, and that board and just that organization. And the awakening for me was that I had spent a lot of my career just climbing and kind of climbing blind, right? Like, like I just knew I wanted to get to the top. I was just going and it was like, what's the, give me, give me more. Like, what's the next big challenge that give me the unsolvable problem? I, I got it. Um, and it was super duper satisfying and really thrilling and really gratifying. And then I got to this place where, um, you know, like that, that what I thought was the top was kind of coming into view. And I, it wasn't that like, I, um, it's not that I, I don't want to be CEO cause I, I still will be, you know, somewhere doing something. It was that I took a beat and said, um, started thinking about my why, right. And thinking about, you know, what I was doing and how I was doing it and, and what really mattered to me. And I was able to, um, like exercise and express that why in all of the leadership that I was doing at cars in terms of leading and mentoring and helping people just, you know, find their power and their, and their potential. And, um, and, um, I wanted to just kind of bring things more in line, um, I wanted to find an opportunity where uh, I could really uh, contribute to the change that I wanted to see in a world in the world in a really tangible way. And um, I mean, I think you and I had this conversation too. I thought I was going to take some time off and like do some consulting and maybe learn how to play tennis better. Um, and then this this Beyond Barriers opportunity came along, and it was kind of like um, when when all of the founders we talk about it, we, we do this a lot because it was kind of just like it all sort of snapped into place. Um, we started talking, and Nikki and Monica are good friends of ours, and um, they had been doing this work to really help uh, basically close the gender gap at work um, and not doing it by – um, doing it structurally, but also, you know, really doing it by connecting women with with their why, with their potential, with their, you know, all of the things that men spend a lot of time doing, investing in themselves around their careers. And women just don't for a hundred really not very great reasons, right? Both, both from uh, the employee perspective as well as the employer perspective. And um, anyway, the opportunity was right there in front of me to, to help lead and grow this um, enterprise and turn it into something um, exciting and magical and tech forward and, you know, all the, all the pieces. So, um, so it was like, it, it was, it was a process of saying like, nothing's wrong here, but there's, there's something that can be a lot more right, you know, and that, that's what I decided to chase. Um, and that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing now. So Brooke has just said that she's going to be CEO somewhere. So like, we'll just put in our predictor list. Yeah, keep and we'll have a recap episode. What is it going to be like? Yeah, and that happens too. Check, check mark. Uh, is the prediction a public or or a private company? Oh, I think we're going to take Beyond Barriers public. That's the plan. So I'll put put that on your school board too. Um, sure. That's yes. our painted picture. I would be really happy to do both. I think it's like I think it's a privilege to lead people and to lead an enterprise and you know create jobs and and make things happen. And that's how I look at it. Is you know I'll follow you know the path and and see where where that leads. But I don't have like my I, my coach asked me this the other day. Like, do you have like your top five companies that you'd love to leave. And I just, I just don't. <laughs> I, I, it's probably because I've never thought of it. I probably should think about it, but, um, but I've never thought about it that way. So saying on, on beyond barriers, uh, if you had to pinpoint, uh, you got your eyes set on a problem to solve, what problem are you honed in on solving? 
Um, yeah, I mean, closing the gender gap at work, right? I think that's yeah. that that's really where we're focused right now. Um, we're starting with gender because it's the biggest slice um, the, of you know opportunity. Um, in in the future, my my goal is to have a product where you can show up with whatever intersections are most relevant in that moment and get the you know the curriculum, the content, the coaching, the connections that you need to help propel you forward, right? So help help. Right now, we're helping women go further faster. Uh, intersectional women go further faster in the future you know my hope is that we my sincere hope is that we um help everyone who as my co-founder monica likes say likes to say everyone who's not pale and male go further faster what makes beyond beers like this, this good idea like if i'm an investor like why why do i want to give you millions of my dollars to help support your idea we're not asking for them so that's why you want to give them to us <laughs> um you know i, I uh, really uh, where we, what we've seen is the proof, right? The proof that it works. There are lots of different models. And I will, I will also like start this with the estimates from McKinsey are that it's going to take 260 years to close the gender gap at work at our current pace. I do not have that kind of time. And therefore anybody who's working on this, I'm welcome to my table, right? So I, I, I don't consider anybody else in the space competition. I consider them co-conspirators because we're all trying to solve the same problem. So when people ask me like, what's your point of difference versus so-and-so I see like, that's not the conversation I want to have with you. I want to have the conversation about how the work that we're doing can transform um, your company, your culture and, and your individual employees. Right. And so I think um, th- that's been the, the biggest, um, the, the most important differentiator. Is, is really the transformative effect that this work has. Um, right now, we run a six-month leadership accelerator, um, and the participants, first of all, we get 96 NPS, which I don't know anybody who's 96 NPS, and that's with technology that's sort of, like, not even there. It's, like, you know, pretty very basic technology, but the experience is so transformative that um, – we hear words like oh, transformation is the word we hear most often. We hear, hear words like this was like oxygen for my career. I didn't know what I was missing. And then we're also tracking momentum, right? So we have a proprietary momentum metric that people take at the beginning, middle, and end of this experience. And what we see is on clarity, on conviction, on commitment, on courage, on these really important pieces that is not just the mark of a good leader, but it's the mark of someone who's going to show up and really you know, produce the results that you need to see in order to have a company that's, that's really successful. Um, those move in, in really meaningful ways as someone goes through this process. I think the other piece is, um, as someone who was um, privileged to have a lot of executive coaching, a lot of women's leadership offsites, a lot of sort of special experiences um, granted to me throughout the course of my, my career, a lot of times my experience of, of those um of those uh, programs was you go for two days, you get very inspired. And then two weeks later, you're doing things the way that you started out doing things. Right. Um, and, and so the fact that this is in community, it's in cohort. And then I think the other piece is there, there's an accountability to it, right. Where um, there are tons and tons and tons of free online leadership development. There's, there's so much, all the, all the education you could want or need is out there. Um, but the engagement's not. Right. Like, um, like Khan Academy is amazing and kids and adults do it when somebody assigns it to them. Right. And so, um, so I think the opportunity, um, that, that we're after is, um, an experience where it's narrow, it's bite-sized because B, you know, as a new parent, Tam, I don't know if you're a parent, but when you, you know, what, 
When one is up here, you have like little five-minute increments, right? <laughs> so if you can make the technology and the learning nano so that I can fit it into my life, but also iterative so that I can see my progress um, and then engage me in a community around it, um, you can really light it. You can light up transformation both for the individual as well as for the companies around them. So what kinds of people that- come through the program? Like what, who are, what's the typical student and what are they looking for? What are their outcomes? Like who comes through Beyond Barriers? Yeah, that's such a good question. So we are, we're right now we're focused on mid-career women and we've, we've gone campus to C-suite just in experimenting with this, with this product. But what we've found where the kind of sweet spot is, is mid-career women for a couple of reasons. One, that's where the numbers start to draw off, drop off for any kind of diversity, right? You just see, like you, you can see from entry level, things look pretty good and then they're like pretty okay. And then at mid-career. And what we found is this is the point in career life where um, women in particular just kind of stop investing in themselves. Like they it just doesn't occur to them. And companies start partying with the rock stars. So they start really, you know, the, 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 um, the, resources that they have to invest in their people don't get spread like peanut butter. They go, you know, to the most, um, most promising folks first. And so this is the group of people where if you're, if you're serious about building a diverse leadership pipeline, you've got to invest. It's so much more cost effective to retain than it is to recruit. And so, you know, the conversations that were happening that we're having with companies are, you know, everybody has a mandate to do something about a more diverse leadership pipeline. Not many people know how to do it. Um, and, and very few people don't how to do it in a measurable way. And that's that's what we're offering, right? Not to mention the opportunity in a um, pretty hot employment market right? <laughs> to invest in your employees and, and um, make sure that they feel like they have a home there and that you're engaged not only in the, the success of your company, but their their individual and personal success. So um, that that's the profile. We also... Um, train executives, senior women, uh, to be coaches, um, and to be, and B's going to join us in, in a cohort to, um, to really yep. refine coaching skills. Cause, cause the other thing that we found is like, just cause you're a manager or a leader doesn't mean that you've been trained. In fact, in many cases, it means that you haven't been trained to coach. Right. And so, our curriculum's grounded in 150 proven leadership strategies. It's, you know, it's science backed. It's you know, all of these, all of the um, kind of reasons to believe that you need, but the coaching, um, the coaching experience is also transformative, right? It's also done in cohort. It's a little bit shorter, but it's really tuned to executive leaders who just want to be awesome at what they do, not just because of they're really good at their craft, but because they understand the dynamics of motivating people, right? Which is, that's a secret sauce, right? If you can figure out how to motivate people to, um, to to join your crusade, then you know you can you can accomplish just about anything. So. Well, let's say you know if it's just in the next two years, what does success look like for Beyond Marriage? Uh, growth and scale. I mean, look, we we're on a mission to uh, do something that's going to take 200, that's supposed allegedly going to take 260 years to do. Right. So, um, the more women we can impact, uh, and the more, co- I would say corporate cultures that we can impact. And, and we are, um, you know, there's, there's so much potential for this work. Um, we're working primarily with companies and we're focused, um, on a lot of global, uh, organizations. Cause we, we also believe that that that's a really important component at the same time. We're partnering with a really incredible organization called the Jeremiah program, which is run by my friend, City Lord, um, and their mission is to end generational poverty two generations at a time. So they work with single moms and help them uh, help single moms uh, not just sort of like change their situation, but also go really far upstream and like talk about things like how do you write an op-ed, how do you run for city council, how do you you know connect with your school board, how do you really become part of the policy conversation? And so what we're doing with Chastity and her organization is Chastity's taking a group from her organization through our 
curriculum. And then we're also, as our coaches are being trained to be coaches, um, we're going to offer that as an opportunity to volunteer your time and partner with a Jeremiah program mom so that, you know, the benefits are, there's a ripple effect to the work that we're doing. Um, so I think, you know, I, we, we want to grow, we want to scale, we want to, um, you know, impact as, as many cultures and, and, and individuals as we possibly can. Um, and then I think the other thing is we want to, um, we want to change the conversation around like corporate development, right? I think right now there's, it's a huge, huge industry with a lot of performative, uh, expense and also with a lot of just kind of like you know, checking the box, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like how many like boring videos have you sat and watched and then just, you just sort of like click mm-hmm. through, right? Like that's really precious, valuable time where you could be really um, having some impactful conversations, right? So like, let's do that. Let's transform that time. Let's, let's think about the way that we invest in our people. Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, if you're going to, people like me go through the experience that I went through in COVID 10 years earlier, like huge win. Scalability is really hard. We're talking about an educational program. Is that your challenge, your biggest challenge? How do you scale this and duplicate this city by city, company by company? And how do you sell that into a company, this program? It's a compounded question, but. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. So right now the, um, the, the accelerator program is called our, our curriculum or our, sorry, our cornerstone product. Um, and what we're building around that is a platform, not in like, I don't know if you've ever used Weight Watchers or Noom, um, but that, but for your career, right? So it's a platform where you can come and not only, you know, everybody will have the shared language of the accelerator program, which that'll be, that'll be a challenge to scale. Um, it'll be interesting to scale. We know, we know how to do it. It's just getting the right people at the table and, um, you know, and also mastering the tech so that the right things are automated. Um, but then creating a subscription model where once you go through the accelerator program, um, you're part of a community that's not just a community. It's actually because we're going to know things about you based on, you know, the lessons that you've learned and the, the things. So imagine the, the use case I like to talk about a lot is performance reviews. I'm first to admit that I always crammed for performance reviews, <laughs> always, always, always. I would start out a quarter with this beautiful doc, and I'm going to keep track of all the things I'm proud of, and I'm going to, like, do all the things you're supposed to do. And uh, and then it'd be, like, the night before, and I'd be like, shit, I have my performance review. I need to, like, go, go back through my calendar and see what I accomplished in that quarter. Um, but imagine if, um, you know, in a five minutes a day kind of experience, at the beginning of the quarter, we start – well, first of all, we ask you, when is your quarterly performance review? And you tell me it's, like, the third Thursday of whatever, March. And so – um, then from January 3rd, I start asking you iterative questions and they're simple questions. They're reflective questions, but they don't take you more than a couple minutes a day. And then, and then they include things like, what are your goals? And, you know, how much of a raise do you want? What's your next title that you want? And so based on your inputs, um, not only do we a week and a half before your performance review, send you in your inbox this beautifully formatted kind of ammunition, so like, here's your story, here's what you accomplished, but then here's some negotiating tips here are some things that we've observed, you know, based on, you know, what, where you are from a momentum metric perspective. Uh, if you're, if you're nervous about negotiating, here are four people who are also in this network, you know, who you could, you could either do an office hours with, or you could connect with directly, right. And have a conversation. You could, you could play this out. Right. Um, and then here are some videos you could watch if, if you're interested in that. Right. So that's like, 
that's like product vision in my head. It's going to get more vivid and brilliant. We're working with a really um, great product studio right now called Lake Checkout, who's helping us kind of imagine this in a Web3 context. Um, and Web3, because if we're serious about uh, creating future-ready leaders, we've got to you know speak the language of the future and build it, build it in that language. And so, um, so we're thinking about it not just as an educational curriculum, but truly like a um, a career conditioning, you know, kind of platform, like just like elite athletes would train to be Olympians and you train every day and some days are better than others, but you're constantly training. Right. Um, But doing it in a way that really meets mid-career women where they are, which is, and actually uh, most people in their careers where they are (laughs) to strap for time, um, you know, haven't probably haven't invested enough in themselves and, um, and have a lot of ideas, ideas and ambitions, but not a lot, not a great sense of how to get there. Who's your customer? What is the pitch to them? Why this? Why now? Like, why is this the solution that they should pick? Um, Why now? Yeah. Um, So the customer is usually someone like me, usually a a senior executive woman who has kind of, you know, fought through all of the shit that we have to fight through to get to uh to get to a, a really senior position who's invested in who's a you know a people leader um who's invested and in, and someone who has a budget you know someone who who's got you know um we we talked we do have a lot of we have some wonderful um de head of, heads of dei and hrbp not hrbp okay. HRO uh, partners uh, who we work really closely to activate this, but really in terms of, you know, we, we try to get in touch with leaders uh, who are really invested in this, cha- as invested in this change as we are, right? Um, and and so that's today who we're selling to. And and the pitch is not unlike what I told you, right? It's that there's there are a lot of solutions out there. There aren't a lot that are priced for scale. There aren't a lot that are designed for women. And there aren't a lot that are proven, you know, in terms of the effect that that we've been able to see in, in the um with the scale that we've had so far. Um, and then in the future, I think once we have our subscription model, it's probably going to be a combination of individuals subscribing and then companies subsidizing said subscription, right? Um, which, you know, is, is the case with our coach program as well. Some, some folks invest in it themselves and, and, and we're, we're exploring some B2C, I think, um, because we haven't become and asked you for money yet. We're, you know, we're not in a place where we can <laughs> a true, yes customer acquisition strategy like you know we, we just don't have the cash and um so we're the plan is to scale b2b and um and then uh and then and then we'll see on the b2c front that's that's the next chapter but um but certainly i think we'll have a product that's relevant um and meaningful uh for for both corporate as well as individuals thanks for that yeah that was great you know one of the things um you know obviously one of the big things that we, we try to do in this podcast is give practical business advice and so you know as someone who has been pre-IPO, post-IPO, and is now building a startup, I'd be kind of curious, like, what are some of the, the really, you know, big pieces of advice that you would give any founder starting a company today from your, your experience? Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I was talking to a good friend uh, who started, Galdem Tambe, who started Springboard, which is an amazing company. Um, and he told me, he this stuck with me. He said, you, you just have to know which fires you're comfortable letting burn. <laughs> because especially in the beginning, like there's just no way to do it all. And you're going to wake up in the middle of the night, excited to try to do um, everything. And, and there's, there's no way you can do everything. So I think knowing which fires you're going to let burn, but then filtering that question through what we talked about earlier in terms of urgent and important, right. And in terms of, you know, kind of that, that prior, what are we really trying to accomplish and making sure that all of your energies and efforts are focused there 
And then I'll add to that a prioritization trick that I've got this letter from my grandfather that he wrote to me when he was 88 about the things that he's learned. And, um, he had learned. And uh, one of them is uh, do the hardest thing on your list first and everything else will melt away. Um, and that one is like, it's a doozy. And he, he says in his letter, like, uh, I never mastered this. <laughs> and I certainly haven't. <laughs> um, but but it's such a good because so often in the doing of the hardest thing, you recognize that first of all, one, you get some of the other things done. And then two, you also realize that there's stuff on your list that like you don't actually need to do. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I, I, you know, so much of leadership so much of like building is about prioritization and focus and making those strategic choices, right? That if you're, if you're focused on not hard things because you're like masochistic or you, you know, you just want to, um, you just want to prove that you can, but it's really just tackling the hard questions. And, you know, I'll just share, like I learned this recently. Um, we had been kind of going, we work in uh, two week sprints and, um, I had a lot of like big thinking work in my, on my list of, on my list of things to do in Notion. And um, we uh, had gotten, we all were caught up in lots of little things, right? There were lots of little, like whether it was fixing something over here or following up with, you know, all of these leads over here, like they were, and everything was really important. Not everything was that urgent. And what I realized was the stuff that I had on my list was like, it wasn't going to be checked off and, 20 or 45 minutes, right? Like I needed to actually block time on my calendar, like hours, right? (laughs) And set aside and stop and like listen to my jams and like just go into my place where I could solve some things. And I got so into checking things off the list that, um, that I forgot sort of to take a step back and solve. It's a lesson that I've been learning basically my whole life, but, um, and I'll probably keep learning it, but it was a really important one because especially in this stage where you're just chasing growth, right. At all costs. Um, it's also really, really important that you get the core things right. And for us, the core things are the brand and the product, um, and the customer experience. So what do you need? from like the community. You say you're not raising money, right? And and you're going B2B, but what is your need? Whether it's from the listeners, whether it's just a broader community, you had to ask, here's your ask. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, relentless feedback, (laughs) like I talked about earlier. I need that. Um, You know, I want to talk to people who are interested in solving this problem. And like I said, I don't care if they're in a competitive space. Like I want to talk to leaders. I want to talk to women who feel stuck. I want to talk to, um, you know, people who have ideas. I mean, B sent me some really like totally different space, but product configuration ideas, right? Like I, I... I want co-conspirators. Then that begs the question, where can you be found so that they can oh, find excellent. you? Yeah. Um, so I'm Brooke at beyondbarriers.com. Brooke is definitely on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm definitely on LinkedIn. Yeah. You can okay. find me on LinkedIn and you can email me. And, you know, if you know B, you can text me. Um, if you know B yeah. or Tam, you can text me because I trust yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then I think one last thing. And then Beyond Barriers website is? I am beyondbarriers.com. Stay tuned. We're in the midst of a beautiful rebrand. I'm so excited about it. It's gorgeous. Uh, and, and the URL will switch as well, but we'll be loud and proud about that on LinkedIn and other channels. So follow along there. Thank you so much for listening to the Drops Podcast. We love having you. We love your feedback. Please do connect with us across social media. We are the Drops Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And we also have a great email, thedropspodcast at gmail.com. You can send in any questions that you have, and we definitely would love to answer them on the podcast. Feel free to ask just about anything because we have experienced a ton of different things. Again, thank you so much. 
for listening to The Drops Podcast.